ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. Welcome to another episode of the Jake Motel Sports Experience. My name is Jake, and I'm joined, as I have been all season long, and will continue to be all season long in the NFL, uh, by the one and only Minnesota Jack. Minnesota Jack, whose Vikings, his Minnesota Vikings, are riding high at the top of their division in the NFC North. How, mm-hmm. how nice is it to be in first spot after six weeks, Jacko? It feels it feels good. I think it feels even better the fact that Green Bay isn't yet breathing down our necks. Um, I think that's the the best thing of all, really, is the fact that not only are the Packers not doing so well, but just the fact that there's a bit of breathing space there between us, us and them, so that that number one spot in the end of the division feels a little more secure than perhaps I thought it might have been earlier in the season. So, yeah, it feels good. It's a rare feeling, especially for myself. I haven't seen the Vikings be in this position in, in the division since I started following football, so feels very good. Yeah, rarefied air um, for, for the Vikings who will get into their game because uh, we watched that. We actually watched that together in person the second time um, that we've managed to watch some games this season uh, in the same mm. lounge room. So that was good. Uh, the Vikings defeating the Miami Dolphins. So we can, we can get to that performance and what you thought of it. We'll get to a bunch of the NFL week six games and on the way out the door at the end, we might give you a couple of quick thoughts on the upcoming Thursday night football game between the New Orleans Saints and somebody else. I'll remember when it gets there. <laughs> it's it's irrelevant. It's not a very yeah. important matchup. <laughs> Honestly, it's Cardinals. It's the Cardinals. It's the it's the Saints yeah. and the Cardinals. That's the game. Um big week for us, Jacko. Big week. For us, uh, we we had seven sicko spreadsheet picks on the line, and we went five, one, and one. Uh, the one loss we had was was mine, and that was I, I had a two one and one week. Um, I lost out on the forty niners five and a half uh, mm. to cover five and a half um, against the Falcons. They lost by fourteen points, uh, so that was terrible. Got a push on the Cowboys team total over 17 at the Eagles. Hit it right on the right on the button. Um, and the two wins there for the Sicko spreadsheet for Jake's picks. Under Broncos team total of 20 and a half at the Chargers. Was nervous because they were at 16 at halftime, yeah. but then they didn't score again. Uh, and the under 45 and a half Steelers Buccaneers, which is just beautiful because my Steelers won. Um, mm. You went clean sweep, three from three. Jets plus seven and a half at the Packers over Eagles first half team total of 12 and a half. I think they had 20 on the board at halftime against the Cowboys or something. And the Steelers to cover the 10 points against the Bucks. You're on a heater, Jacko. 11 and three for the season. I'm eight, eight and one together. We are 19, 11 and one. So pretty good year so far. Pretty good year. It's a good start. It's a good Mm. start. Um, You know, this could be a, place where i would you know be very humble and go oh, you know anything can happen anything anything can happen but because anything can happen might as well soak it up while it's happening right might as well soak mm. up 
the success that not only I've been getting on my picks, but as a team, you and I together and our picks we're making each week, we've done pretty well given how unpredictable and how crazy the NFL is in general, as well as just this season. And I think that's been the secret to our success has been finding out and figuring out when those crazy results and scores come about, what brings them into existence. They don't come out of thin air. They result from something. And I feel like you and I, we're, we're, um, we're locked in to when those things happen and you just look at our picks and it's looking pretty good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Indeed. Preach. And I feel like I, I, I've, I've, I've reined myself in. Started off the season four and six, gone four and two since or something like that. Mm. Something like that. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. Eight, eight, and one. Um, and, and yeah, the, the streak the last few weeks for you and I, lots of green on the board, lots mm. of green. Mm. Um, ticks on the board. So hopefully we can continue that. Hopefully we've got the radar locked in um, after the first month and a half-ish. Yeah, month and a half, four, uh, six games yeah. of the season. Uh, speaking of those six games, why don't we lead the show off with the two games we watched first up, you and I. We watched Minnesota and the Dolphins. But let's lead the show with a team that very rarely gets to lead many shows the last, like, 60 years um the new york Mm. jets the new york jets jacko they travel to lambeau field uh to take on you know the packers who while they haven't been zinging the team in green and gold uh it's still aaron Rodgers. it's still a you know a, a much vaunted um club you know, with a lot of history, a lot of pride, all that sort of thing, and they'd suffered a defeat the week before to the Giants, no less, the Packers. So you figured Packers are going to respond. This is, and we said on the the, the mm. preview show, this is a proven moment for the Jets. Our opinion might change based on how this game goes as to whether they're for real or not. Well, it was locked at three apiece at halftime, Jack. The Jets exploded in the second half to outscore the Packers 24 to 7, winning the game 27 to 10. 27 to 10, Jacko. Um, Zach Wilson only had to throw 18 passes for 110 yards. It was Brees Hall, the monster from Iowa State, the former Iowa State Cyclone, 20 carries, 116 yards, and a touchdown. How have your how has your opinion changed on the Jets? Are, are they for real in the sense that they can compete, you know, for a, for a playoff spot? Where, where are you at? What was this game like for you? Tell us everything. I, I think they are the real deal. I really, I really do. For exactly that, fighting for a playoff spot. I think mm. that that division is impossible to take off Buffalo, and I think. Mm. It'll be a long time before they have a shot at that, but trying to get a wild card spot, it's really there. Um, I think what impressed me most was their defense. Like you know, you know, Hall had that great rushing game, and the, particularly that that touchdown run was just mm-hmm. amazing to to watch unfold. Um, and Wilson didn't didn't have great stats, but he didn't look that he didn't look super uncomfortable, um, and he didn't look out of his depth. 
he looked like he was a he was fighting to get yards and keep the offense moving, and he did enough to get his team to win. And for you know a, a quarterback in his second year, that's almost all, all you can ask for. You're not asking them to to be a Lamar Jackson or a, or a Patrick Mahomes yet. So while I thought their offense did some good things overall, it was a pretty underwhelming offensive performance. So it was their defense that I was really impressed by, you know, got to Rogers four times, which Rogers is sort of like Brady in the sense that he doesn't want to get hit. He doesn't want to get touched. He wants a clean pocket. He wants time to make his decisions. And when he's under pressure, that's when, well, it's when all quarterbacks um, start to lose a bit of punch, but Rogers in particular, that's really how you get to him. Um, so to get to him four times, I don't know how many QB hits they had, but I'm sure it was at least twice as much. It felt like they were getting to Rogers on almost every play. Um, you know, got a got a fumble from, nine, from the Packers. Nine QB hits. There we go. So they the defense, particularly the the pass rush its ability to to get to the quarterback and either affect him by sacking him, hitting him after a pass, or just getting in his passing lanes, I thought was really impressive. thought their cornerbacks were great. Um, I, I just I love their defense overall. And I think in the same way that if you have a great offense and a meh defense, you can make it to the playoffs. I think if you have a great defense – and a Met offense, you can also make it to the playoffs. So as long as Wilson and his offensive counterparts, you know, reduce turnovers and, you know, you'd hope better third down efficiency. They went one for 11 on offense. And so they're pretty grateful they were going up against the Packers. So they just can fix up some things there, be a little bit more effective on third down, move the ball a little bit more and reduce turnovers and then have this defense be what they are over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. They're, they're really fighting strong for a wildcard spot with a four and two record for the jets, believe it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, I think they've got the right combo in terms of, um, you know, great defense, potentially meh offense. And, and what I think you mean by, you know, we can say by meh offense is, Met, as in middle of the table. Um, you know, yeah. that the, the thing that I like about them is that they can do the part of the offense that I think you should prioritize first when you've got a great defense, and that's being able to run the ball. You know, and they picked up 179 mm. yards, two touchdowns on 33 carries. In contrast, the Packers had just the 20 carries for 60 yards, so just three yards per attempt, no touchdown scored, which forces you then to throw 45 times um, with Aaron Rodgers into a really good Jets secondary. Um, you know, the, the, there was lots of passes defended. Source Gardner had a couple. Gardner has looked incredible. Mm. Um, oh, great. And, and so... The Jets were able to say to Brees Hall, I'm uh, sorry, to, to Zach Wilson, and I don't know if you've ever gone back and watched the Jets um, Baltimore Colts Super Bowl from back in 1967, maybe 68. Can't remember what the year was. But anyway, uh, I think it was Super Bowl number three. Packers won two, and then the Jets won one, I think. Um, that the Joe Namath game. And I'm not far be it from me 
to say that this was Joe Namath like in terms of the quality. But the thing that was really great in that Super Bowl in many ways was Joe Namath's ability to get out of the way and not fuck up, you know, to, to play really mm. smart, you know, he changed plays. He put the ball in the hands of his running back. You know, he, he sort of put his own ego to the side, you know, for a guy that guaranteed victory in the days leading up. It, yeah, that's what I love most about that performance is in, in that it was sort of egoless. He wasn't chasing glory the whole game. And I feel like it just made me think in a small way of that, that Zach Wilson could do a lot worse than to put the ego aside like he did today and go, well, look, some games I'm only going to throw 18 passes because the running game is good because mm. we are smash-mouthing them. We are running through them. Michael Carter had 41 yards on six carries, just the six carries for 41 yards. Like this, That's the recipe. Just let Wilson develop and, uh, you know, um, uh, just let him run the offense. He doesn't have to do everything. He doesn't mm. have to be Patrick Mahomes. You've got a great defense. You've got a really solid run game. Just let him, let him play the guitar sort of thing and, and just play your role, Zach Wilson, um, until you sort of blossom, until the, the skill set comes to the fore um, in full. Yeah. Conversely, Packers still in struggle town. That looks like um, a, a, a disconnected team at the moment between Rodgers and his receivers. I don't know. There was some comments after the game. Um, I don't know if you saw these um, between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. Did you see these comments? Doesn't surprise me. I didn't see it, but this is perfect. <laughs> there was something... Um, Basically, uh, Aaron Rodgers came out and said after the loss that he want he wanted to simplify the offense. I think when it, you know it was it was something to the effect. I'm trying to find the quote now. Um, uh, this is on Pro Football Talk after Sunday's 27 to 10 home loss to the Jets. Um, Aaron Rodgers called for the team to simplify some things on offense, and that topic came up during Monday's press conference. Um, with Packers coach Matt LaFleur. And LaFleur was asked about it, that he was asked, were you surprised to hear how much Aaron wants to simplify the offense? And LaFleur said, I don't know what that means. So no, we talked about it. It's just anytime there's a lack of execution, certainly we've got to coach better, no doubt about it. We've got to put our guys in best positions, blah, 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 a lot of coach speak. But the opening comment was, I don't know what that means. Where is this team headed, Jack? Is are we gonna right the ship or is this meltdown city? Where are you at on the Packers? It's really tough because yeah, it's tough to write off the Packers because they've been good so good for so long. And you don't want to be the guy to go, ah, they're washed up, and then they go out and especially because we saw this happen last season, not to this degree, mm. but there was all these, you know, comments in the off season, and then they started the first couple games pretty meh, and we were having these same conversations, and then they went out and they were one of the best teams in the league, and Rogers won the MVP. So mm. I get a little bit of, uh, yeah, I kind of flash back to that experience a little bit, but this does also feel different because this is happening for more than one game. I think really it was like a game and a half last season before the Packers figured it out. Whereas this is, we're six weeks in now 
and the Packers, even in their wins, have looked pretty dysfunctional and pretty messy, like not able to do anything really on offense and produce any kind of magic. And then their defense has also been surprisingly porous, like just giving up plays and not getting to the quarterback. So I feel like the Packers are in real, real trouble in that if the Vikings continue to win games at not like some amazing rate, they can even lose a couple with how the Packers are going. But the issue is that the Vikings look like they are going to keep winning games consistently. The Packers will be lucky to get into the playoffs with how these other teams in the NFC around them are playing. Like the NFC doesn't have a great class of teams, but there's a lot of teams that are playing like the Packers. So there's a lot of teams that can take those spots from them that they don't have the luxury to just go, well, we'll just, we'll just eke into a wildcard spot. It's like, no, no, no. There's a bunch of teams who are three and three right now or worse that look better than the Packers. And I would trust them to get into the playoffs more than them. Yeah, that that's what is interesting. It's a real soup at the moment. And, and across the NFL in a lot of ways, you know, barring a few outliers, you know, the Eagles at, you know, six and oh, the Giants at five and one, uh, mm, the Vikings yeah. at five and one, um, the Cowboys, what are they now? Four and two. So that doesn't really they don't really fall into that, mm-hmm. you know, that category that like it's a kind of a bit of a soupy kind of mess. We don't really know exactly where anyone is. And like you said, there's a big sort of middle class of teams right now that they're going to have to try and separate themselves from. And right now, like you said, it's hard to see them separate because they would have backed themselves going in this season. All right, we lost to the Vikings. That's a bugger. You know, all right, then we peel off three straight wins. Bears, Bucks, Patriots. Then you got the Giants. Uh, in London, you got the Jets at Lambeau, then a travel game to the Washington Commanders. You know they would have been backing themselves probably to win six in a row there and be six and one at this stage. Yeah. Now they're three and three. And you've got at Washington, which should be a win. You got at the Bills, mm-hmm. um, at Detroit, Dallas Cowboys, Tennessee Titans, at the Eagles. So, you know, the, the path forward isn't clear and it doesn't really matter who you play at the moment, regardless of whether the Giants are better, Jets are better, whoever it is, the Packers need to be better because the sort of football they're not playing, yeah. you know, the, the sort of football they're playing right now isn't good enough, you know, to, to win um, in the NFL. Any team could beat the Packers right now, the way they're playing. I'm not saying they can't improve, but right now with the Packers of the last fortnight, hmm. Any team could beat them. Carolina could beat them. I could see the Packers playing Carolina next week, theoretically, right? And then you look at the score and it's like, oh, Carolina won 13-10. And it wouldn't really surprise you with how the Packers are playing. Yeah, it's just, it's dysfunction um, at the moment. It feels very dysfunctional. Uh, I'll I'll let you freeform on the Vikings-Dolphins game. I'll tee it up sort of for you and, Mm. and you can sort of launch in. So... A real arm wrestle of a game against the Dolphins team that I think the Dolphins showed something in this game without Tua. Um, you know, they, they started with Skylar Thompson at quarterback and Bridgewater backing him up. 
having only just sort of, you know, cleared the concussion protocols. And then Skylar Thompson gets knocked out of the game with a, with a thumb injury. And so then you're back to Bridgewater. And I thought Skylar Thompson had actually moved the ball quite well for the Dolphins to start the game. Um, Dolphins' defense was feisty. They held the uh, Vikings no points in the first quarter, 10 points in the second, no points in the third, but then the Vikings put up two touchdowns in the last quarter. This was a real, like, hard-nosed football game in the heat in Miami, and the Vikings gritted it out. What, what are your thoughts on the Vikings coming out of this match? For me, I think, just to say off the top, I don't care how you win. If you win on the road, I don't, I don't care. You, win. you could win 3 nothing. You win 2 nothing. Get a safety in there. Do not care. <laughs> Kirk Cousins could throw 12 interceptions. Any road, any road win to me is valuable. I don't care how you get it. And especially in, in Miami, like you're seeing the, uh, seeing the thermometers out there and mm. uh, with the benches and seeing how the Vikings are being cooked up on the bench. So just to preface my thoughts, like mm. at the end of the day, you lock away a road win and you're just happy no matter what, especially now going into a bye. It's like, just get that one out of the way, have a week off and then reset. That being said, pretty frustrating because I thought that even though last week's game wasn't that impressive either, I at least liked how we won and how efficient we were on third down mm. and how well Kirk Cousins moved the ball and how well the offense moved the ball, you know, had a couple drives that didn't turn out, but that's the NFL. You're not going to, unless you're the bills or the chiefs, right. You're not going to score on every single drive. So I thought we would bring a bit of that into the Miami game. And it was just frustrating to see the complete opposite. Like I think from memory, we went 12 of 15 on third down last week and we went two of 12 against Miami. It was a complete flip. I think we started with four, three and outs. Like the offensive synergy was not there. And you know, and it's frustrating that we haven't been able to, every time I've found a positive out of a Vikings game this season, we haven't been able to replicate it the following week. Thankfully, where I've found deficiencies, we've improved upon that every single week. So mm. last week I was disappointed about how on defense, we couldn't really get to the quarterback with Justin Fields, despite that offensive line. And yet we come out this week with six sacks and we gave up a lot of plays. Like if you look at the stats, we gave 458 yards up to Miami. And <laughs> so that part of the defense was really, especially early on was pretty ugly to see how much yardage we were giving up, but six sacks and three turnovers. Like it's that classic defense where like, we'll give you yards but we're doing that so that we'll bait you into a pick or mm. if you can't find a receiver, we're going to make sure we get to you in the pocket. So just kind of an up and down game where some parts of the offense looked good and then other times it looked horrendous. And then sometimes the defense looked horrible, like just giving up conversion after conversion and first down after first down. And then we'd get six sacks. We'd get some picks. We'd recover a fumble. So very up and down for me, ultimately happy to get the win. And when you look at the score in the end, and I think this is why the yardage looks a bit more as well in the end is that it wasn't really that close. I felt like at the end, the Vikings pulled away and then the, you know, the Dolphins got some 
junk time points. Um, so I wouldn't really count this in our like close game wins that we've had this season because mm. while it was close at periods, the game was pretty much over once the Vikings got up 24 points and Miami went and scored late and the game was pretty much over. So another frustrating entry by the Vikings, but not just a win, but a road win. And you, you go into the bye five and one and you just go, all right, we play Arizona next after our bye. Let's just try and put something together. Can we have a good pass rush, like from this game, combined with our good pass coverage against the Packers, mm. our efficiency on the offense uh, like last week, and the yardage on the offense like against the Packers? Like if we could just like pick those bits that we've shown this season and put them all together in a game, then then I feel we've, we've made improvements. But at the moment, it's just that up and down, don't know what you're going to get from this team. But Cam- you do know they're going to win. <laughs> That's the only thing we know so far. Yeah, and you've got to be able to win in different ways. And these might not have been games that they won last year. You know, Kirk Cousins throwing for 170-odd yeah. yards. And, and you know, one of the most deceiving statistics in this game is Dalvin Cook, 13 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. 53 of those 77 yards came on one play, which meant he actually went, you know, for the rest of the game, 12 carries, 24 yards two yards per touch. So, you yeah. know, it's it, it, it's kind of deceiving. But then, as you said, the Vikings were able to come up with the fumbles, you know, the recoveries, the interceptions, as you said, the sacks, six sacks, five of those on Teddy Bridgewater. I was worried that Teddy was going to get knocked out of the game. Harrison Smith uh-huh. was brilliant. An interception, two passes, uh, defense, a forced fumble, um, six mm. tackles. Great contributions from Jordan Hicks, Zadarius Smith, and Patrick Jones each had two sacks. Like I think there's a lot to like about this defense because this at the start of the season was something you were worried about. You were like, well, I think Kevin O'Connell can get the offense playing right. I think he can get the culture of the team turned around. But how will the defense go? Because you know you leaked points last season. I'm sure the Vikings were one of those teams where it was like a lot mm. of points scored, but a lot of points given up yeah. as well. So, so that was improved. I've got a bit of trivia for you. The Vikings had 15 drives on the day. How many of those do you think went three and out? Interesting. So I know, I know we started with four. So I would say nine? 11 of 15 drives. There we go. That, wow. that, that, was, that, that was the game. In the end, like that, that's kind of the game in the nutshell is that when we were able to convert and get first downs, we went down and scored, but we just didn't give ourselves enough of those opportunities because we just kept going three and out, which is totally credit to how Miami was playing our receivers. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever Kirk Cousins was sacked in this game, which I think was three times, I think they were all. I think they're all coverage sacks, maybe bar one. Um, and a lot of the pressure was just Cousins having no one to throw to. And so full credit to that secondary for, you know, matching with Jefferson and Thielen and Irv Smith. Like they did really well and made it frustrating to to watch. So I, I think if Miami can just get some players back, I think that they'll they'll get back on track pretty easily. Yeah. And sorry, it was, it was actually 10. 10, not 11. One of those three play mm-hmm. drives was a field goal. So 10 of 15. So it's yeah. still, you know, three quarters of your drives. Um, yeah. Not yeah, good. Gonna, yeah. Um, 
two thirds actually, Jake. Do maths. Um, just cut that out. Cut that out. That's great. Great maths, Jack. Jake. Jake. Well um, <laughs> the Dolphins, bizarrely enough, I think they had three, three and outs on the day. But yeah. that was what was crucial, I guess, that the Vikings electing to punt. You know, for territory and that sort of thing. Uh, the the Dolphins turned it over, a missed field goal, interception, turned it over on downs, uh, a fumble, and an interception. So they gave the Vikings the ball in favorable field position five times based on a turnover on downs, turnover mm. on a missed field goal, and then the the three, you know, turnovers, two interceptions and a fumble. So that that's the difference. And you, you like to see that from your defense. So the Vikings march on, sound the Viking horn. Let's go to the Chiefs and the Bills, Jacko, in Arrowhead. Um, you know, a, a classic, maybe, kind of, different to how we thought it might go. No score after the first quarter. Mm. It was locked at 10 apiece at halftime. It was locked at 17 apiece going into the final quarter. And that's when the, the Bills really stepped up in, in the final quarter. The, the Chiefs, they held the Chiefs to a field goal, held the Chiefs to a punt, and then they intercepted Patrick Mahomes on the last meaningful play um, of football in the game. A really bad pick by Mahomes. Um, mm. The Bills really good at crucial times. There were times where it felt like, and I'm sure we said it, watching this game together, oh, man, you know, it feels like the Chiefs are about to rip off like three or four touchdowns in a row. The, the crowd is, you know, up and about. And to their absolute credit, the Chief, the Bills never wilted. They sacked um, Patrick Mahomes three times. Von Miller, two of those sacks. Bolivia now has six in six games or seven in six games or something, you know, crazy like mm. that. Interceptions to Taron Johnson and Kyrie Elam. This was an impressive performance by Buffalo on the road because not everything went their way, but they were able to get those crucial turnovers. They were able to limit their own turnovers, just the one fumble. Uh, they might have had a turnover on downs as well, but impressive road victory. Jacko, what, what were your sort of takeaways from this game? Do you want to talk Bills or do you want to talk Chiefs first? I feel like the Chiefs is where the story is at. Um, I think in general as well, it's just interesting how even of a game it was. Mm. Pretty similar yardage by both teams. Similar yards per play. Similar first downs, 23 and 26. Both 4 of 11 on third down. In the end, it, it, it did feel like two really evenly matched teams. The difference, though, is kind of tied into what you were just talking about. The Chiefs couldn't make the magic when they had to, whereas the Bills were able to. Um, and in the end, losing because of one turnover feels almost fitting. Like, Mahomes' first pick that went in the end zone was I thought was one of his worst picks he's thrown. Just like there's no no reason to throw that there. Wasn't even like a third down throw. Was totally unnecessary. But you move on from it. You go like, okay, whatever. If you're Mahomes, sometimes you're going to throw a pick. That's how you also get, you know, 500 yards and four touchdowns. And, you know, you do the classic Mahomes thing. 
But that final interception really just capped off as much as we love Mahomes, mm. and he still probably is the best quarterback in the NFL. But this is his one flaw to me. And I think you would agree in that he think he's so good that he doesn't realize that he's actually playing against other good players. He's like, oh, I can yeah. put this in here. I can do that because he is really good. It's like, yeah, you are really good. You are the best, but you're playing against other elite players. And I think if you look back at that second interception, you pointed this out to me, it looks like actually not a horrible decision to start with because that, um, that cornerback or that safety that comes in and picks it off from Mahomes' angle looks quite far away. Yeah, it's um, you can't really gauge the depth, um, but credit to the Bills play, he was able to go in there, jump it and, and, and win the game. So, yeah, I thought the Chiefs played well and ultimately just didn't do enough to win, whereas the Bills played well and did enough. Um, I think that, that Josh Allen hurdle for a first down was just uh, an epitome of what they were what they were on offense. They didn't blow out in terms of scores, but where the Chiefs failed to live up to expectations, the Bills exceeded um, in only a matter of inches. Like it wasn't a huge difference, but that's that's football. Do you know what's funny? Um, you know, just talking about this game and, and similarities, I suppose, between this and last year. So the Bills traveled to Arrowhead last season um, in week five. They've obviously done it this year in week six. Uh, on that night, Allen threw for three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Patrick Mahomes threw for two touchdowns, two interceptions, which is exactly what they threw for um, in this game. Uh, mm. And I remember that match. The Bills won at 38-20, but the Chiefs had moved the ball pretty well. They'd run the ball well, 23 carries, um, 120 yards. You know, they'd thrown it not as well. As I said, That they gave away... Um, a couple of fumbles. Mahomes had a fumble and the two picks. But I guess what I go back to is just that this is the the blessing and the curse of great players like Mahomes. And I, I made the example to you of, of Trevor Lawrence in his last year in college where he's so good and in so many situations, he's so much better than who he is playing against that they forget that they're human, that you can't make every throw every time. You know, you fit that ball into a tight enough window enough times, you're going to get picked off. Sometimes you have to make the decision to throw it away, to, li to live to fight another down. Like that, in, in a, um, a one-score game like this was, the two picks by Mahomes were killer. And the pick in the end zone, yeah. even more so, because that impacts things down the line. Because that was the third and nine down when he threw that pick in the end zone. You walk away with a field goal there. So then mm. you, you're chasing another field goal somewhere throughout the game. And so no doubt there were times in that game where if you've got that extra three points on the board, they missed a field goal as well. You know, so so that's another sort of thing to, to take into account. It was an imperfect Chiefs performance, and the Chiefs have been imperfect so far. But I have a lot of faith 
in what they're doing because I like what they're doing on defense. I also really like the weapons they have around Mahomes on offense. You know, you had Travis Kelsey do his thing, 108 mm. yards on eight catches. You had Juju Smith-Schuster, 113 yards on five catches and a touchdown. Um, they didn't run the ball particularly well against the Bills. I'll say that. that That's a change. They only had 68 yards on 18 carries. So I think that, again, has been the story of the first six weeks for me with Buffalo is they have significantly improved their defense. They have done a lot of work um, to improve the defense. But I'm not hitting the panic button on the Chiefs. This feels very much, you know, like the Patriots used to, like they'd start out a little sluggish. They'd start out a little up and down. They're sort of working themselves into a groove. That's how I feel about the Chiefs. They're still working. You know, it's it's like even after five, six weeks, these are the experiences, I think, that allow Mahomes to be reminded that he's human in a scenario mm. where it's not dire yet. Because when it gets to the playoffs, like last year, and he's fucking immaculate when they charge down the field and, and break the Bills' hearts, it's these games that he can go back to and go, no, I have to be smarter here. You know, these are the little times mm. that he learns during the season. Now, if it keeps happening over the next month, you know, that you're like, I don't know about these guys, but it's a long season. It's a long season. We're six games in. Um... In a division not, that's not going to threaten the Chiefs as well. No. Nah, like they no can afford close. these kind of losses. No one is close. We 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 were so excited about that division going in. And I, I tell you what, I could see a scenario where two of the four coaches are sacked at the end of the year. I could see if, if the Chargers really badly crater. And look, I know they got a win on Monday Night Football. They eked one out against the Broncos in overtime. Um, prime time has been bereft um, oh, of good games. Great opening night. game with yeah. the Chiefs and suck it us in. Was it the Chargers? Chiefs and Chargers, yeah. I think, was the first prime time game, and that was great. Um, mm. or first Monday night football, whatever it was, like yeah. that was great. Since then, prime time has been <laughs> hard watch, just sad, <laughs> and it doesn't get any better. To be honest, it really doesn't get any better anytime soon. No. So I, th I think both of these teams are going to be at the business end of the season. I think both teams will win their division. They'll meet again. Yeah. They will absolutely meet again. And I, I say it is hard to beat this Chiefs team twice in a season. It's yeah. very hard. I would be interested to look back um, throughout the year. The, the New England Patriots might have done it to them in 2018. Mahomes' first season. Though... Mahomes might have even beaten them in the regular season that year. I can't quite remember. Um, so it, it it's hard to beat really good teams two games in a season. Um, but I think this Buffalo team, they'll, they'll be loving where they're at right now. But they're thinking in another 10 games time, another 11 games time. Yeah. We still want to be doing this, if not more, when it comes time for playoffs. Um so, yeah, interesting game. But, yeah, bad pick by Mahomes. Really bad pick at the end. Uh, where do we want to head here? I believe it or not, I still haven't gone back and watched my Steelers beat the Bucks. But 
it seemed to me mm. just you saving that for a special time. You're gonna yeah, that's run right. The bath, pop, yeah, that's in, right. Put some, some scented, scented candles. candles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. Um, I, I I wouldn't mind. I, I thought the Eagles Cowboys game played out about how I thought it would. Eagles winning yeah. 26-17. I think it's closer if Dak plays. I I, th- I think that was my takeaway watching that game was, okay, we got our logical, it's time to move on from Cooper Rush. Um, yeah. You know, uh, point in the season. This because... would have been, and I think I, I mentioned it um, in our preview episode, hmm. this would have been the opportunity for him to say the opposite. They're like, no, no, no. Yeah. Now I am the guy. And he just, he didn't play horrible by any stretch, but there were some pretty bad picks. And just overall, you know, 18 to 38, 181 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. That's not a, that's not a statement. That's not a statement performance unless the statement is uh, drop me and put in Dak Prescott. <laughs> not when you're not sacked all night. Yeah, true. Now, I don't, I don't know what his pressure rate was that he faced, but, um, I, he didn't I watched, look overly uncomfortable. I watched this last night, and there were just a lot of balls that it just missed. They just missed passes, and you know, a big takeaway for me was how good that secondary is um, for mm. the Eagles. They they swatted a lot of passes away. Um, I was just trying to add it up here. Yeah, there were there were heaps. You you had. Let me just let me add these up for you. Uh, two four. Uh, five, six, seven, eleven, twelve. Twelve passes defensed. Um, in contrast to four yeah. by the now the Cowboys defense looked looked really good too, but it, they they didn't get a sack. They didn't get a tackle for loss all night. The Eagles, but they got twelve the, passes the Eagles, defensed in the second. To me, what's scary about the Eagles? is the fact that we're six weeks in now, right? Mm. And not that they've faced the toughest of opponents, but still, we've seen six weeks of the same game plan. It's all about running the ball, RPOs, mm. right? It's it's Every game looks the same. And the great thing for them is it's working, but we know what they are. And the scary thing about the Eagles is we're six weeks in and no one knows how to stop it. Maybe in the second half, but you could argue that it's more Philly taking the foot off the pedal a little bit and putting more of the emphasis on the defense, getting a lead early and then not risking it in the second half and just using your defense to keep a team away. So it's, it's really scary to me that, that not only has no team been able to stop them, but you look at their schedule and you just wonder who is going to stop them. Mm. Look at their next games for the rest of the season. Steelers, Texans, Commanders, Colts, Packers, Titans, Giants, Bears, Cowboys again, Saints, Giants. No one there to me. The Cowboys are probably the best defense there of all of those teams that they play. So I'm not saying they're going undefeated because that is incredibly difficult to do in the NFL. And there's going to be a team there that's going to match them with the offense and is going to put pressure with um, scoring, but it's just very scary because they could really be dominant this season. And if no one figures out how to stop this RPO stuff, it's game over. And I, 
yeah, the fact that no one's been able, been able to do it is kind of frightening. Yeah, and, and they're averaging a tick over six passes defensed per game. They've got nine interceptions um, four in six games, 17 sacks. So they're averaging like three sacks a game, uh, one and a half interceptions per game. Like, I think that would be my biggest takeaway. The, I their, their offense played okay. Their offense is, you know, good. It's decent. They they hit, mm. I don't know how many times you can hit uh, AJ Brown on one of those little short comeback routes and he turns and yeah. spins the defender. Oh, he's, you know, turned a five-yard catch into like a 15-yard game. It was just happened over and over again. Um, but the defense for the Eagles, I think, is the secret weapon. People say Jalen Hurts is the secret weapon, and I really like Jalen Hurts. I, I, I'm a Jalen Hurts stan. But the secret weapon for this Eagles team is their defense. Here's the scores they've allowed the first six weeks. 35 points to the Lions week one in a 38-35 win. Seven against the Vikings. Eight against the Commanders. 21 against the Jags. 17 against the Cardinals. 17 against the Cowboys. Um, I think that the Cowboys are the team with Prescott. I would be just interested to see what would, what I suppose you can drop as many men as you like um, as the Eagles, you know, on passing downs and not have to really worry about Cooper Rush running. You don't have to spy mm. Cooper Rush. What I'm interested to see is when Prescott comes back is his ability to run and change how the Cowboys might be able to attack them. Just in the ability to pick up a first down. But yeah, Cooper Rush was bad, but I thought he was also made to look really bad because the coverage was excellent. They were absolutely suffocating and and 12 passes defensed uh, speaks volumes mm. to that. 12, let's do the, you know, 12 passes defense. He only threw 38 passes. It's like a third of his passes thrown an Eagles player got a hand to and batted away. So yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, so the Eagles continue to look good. Uh, the Patriots second week in a row, they stomp a team. They beat the lions 29 zero last week. They beat the Browns 38 to 15. Um, do you think now, the Bailey Zappi Mac Jones thing? <laughs> now that's a real quarterback controversy. The Cooper Rush Dak Prescott thing had a bit of steam and now it feels extinguished. Yeah. But the Mac Jones Bailey Zappi fight for starting quarterback spot is real. And I almost think. How do you Mac take Jones him out, Jack? Next week, right? Because he, he can This is the thing. 24 34, 309 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 118.4 passer rating. He did have a fumble. That do he we lost, know? But do we know if Mac Jones is playing next week? This is my question. I don't know. I'll, I'll you you keep talking. You theorize, and I'll just have a look. I well, this is my thing, right? So, let's say Mac Jones doesn't play. Let's say he's like mm-hmm. close because I feel like he is close to coming back. But let's say he's kind of. Close to recovered, but we'll give him another week just to rest. Patriots play the Bears next. 
which they've got a pretty good defense. Mm. Like, not amazing, but their defense is all right. And so if he can put up similar numbers and win on Monday Night Football, nonetheless, then I start to really seriously root for him. Because right now I'm like, yeah, Bailey's happy probably should start over Mac Jones, but they seem pretty similar. But if he can go out and put up similar numbers and win against the Bears, then I'm all on board. Bailey's happy is the better quarterback because Mac Jones just hasn't looked anywhere near as good as Zappy has. So I feel like one more game would solidify it to me. If you just have one more good game against a good defense, then that sets up what should be a starting QB spot. The only thing is, I don't know what the precedent is really with, like, is Belichick the kind of guy to do that? Or is he the kind of coach to go, no, Mac Jones is our guy. You go back to being back up and we'll think about it next year. That's the thing that also kind of runs through my mind. Um, I I think that the person to, to best ask that question of would be Drew Bledsoe. Um, <laughs> who was replaced? Yes, I'll, um, but are we saying Zappy is Tom Brady? I don't know if he's that close yet. Maybe, but he's hey, Mac we'll Jones, see. Drew Bledsoe. Do you know what I mean? Like Drew yeah. Bledsoe was a really yeah. good quarterback. So, like, yeah, I'm not saying Bailey Zappy's um, Tom Brady. And, and you know, this is something that's really inter- interesting to me to think about. Like, uh, like as far as Belichick and that sort of thing. I um, mean, there's some quotes here in some online reports where it's like, you know, Joe judge asked about it and he's like, you know, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not the head coach. Those decisions are above my head. You know, I'm just preparing Mac every day as if he's going to play and he's doing everything, everything he can. And that's great. But Bailey Zappi is doing everything he can too. And that's what makes this Mm. interesting to me. Um, Have a look at this. Um, Mac Jones, three games this season, um, 66% completion percentage, two touchdowns, five interceptions. Bailey Zappi, three games this year, 72.9% completion percentage, four touchdowns, one interception. So, like, Mac was, you know, he had some a, a turnover issue in the three games he played. He threw two touchdowns to five picks. Zappi, you know, I watched a bit of him in college because I, I, I quite liked watching him at Western Kentucky. I actually first cottoned onto him at Houston Baptist University where he was throwing stupid numbers. I think it was in the COVID season in 2020. They only played a four-game schedule. And he came out in the four games and just lit everybody up and then transferred to Western Kentucky uh, the next season, along with his coach and all the wide receivers from HB, um, from Houston Baptist, and like set the FBS record for most touchdowns thrown. He threw over 60 touchdowns um, to 11 interceptions or something, and just stupid amounts of yards. I think he almost had 7,000, 7,000 yards or something. It was, it was outrageous the amount of passes he threw. So, what that gave to me was a really big volume of data to look at of like, okay, this guy's thrown more passes in one season than some guys throw in their college career. It would actually be great to look at the comparison because I think you could look at, I don't know. It'd be, I would love to look at 
Deshaun Watson. We'd love to look at Lamar Jackson and, and compare how many throws did they make in college in the years they played versus Zappi in his one season. He threw the ball a lot. Um, mm. So the Patriots kind of knew what they were getting. And that was a guy that if you protect him well, he's accurate. He's really accurate. Um, if he gets pressure in his face, he's not like a Joe Burrow. He can't. He doesn't seem to hang in the pocket, or he, he certainly didn't in college. Most of his interceptions or near interceptions came when the line broke down a little bit, and, and he was, you know, forced to try and hang in the pocket. You know, he he got happy feet, and he got panicky, and and the ball could go anywhere. But you know, when he was in rhythm, he he was deadly, um, and he did it against everybody that they played against. So I, I think there is a real chance that they stick with him. Like you said, especially if they beat the Bears and he's suddenly three and zip from three starts. I have a horrific feeling that in the Game of Thrones style, Balachek is going to do this to the Jets in week eight. I, I think that we see the old hooded one um, come up with a way to give Robert Sala's team a reality check. I, I think that game, if we're just mm. forecasting, week eight, Sunday afternoon uh, in New York, I think that's a real gut check game for where the Jets are at in terms of the division because the Patriots have horrifically bullied the Jets for like two decades. And that would be a big thing if they could cast off um, their tormentor. But I have a bad feeling Balachek is going to scramble um, what they do. Um, anyway, that's sort of just an aside. But yeah, I think there's real, real I controversy think, I think there. there's a real chance of that, for sure. Especially because the Jets play the Broncos this week. Mm. So I feel like I would pick the Jets over the Broncos there. Um, so they'll probably will come off another good win. Mm. It'd be the perfect opportunity for the Jets to go back home, riding high. We're going to go for a playoff spot, and good old Bill comes into MetLife Stadium or wherever they play and just unleashes his his magic upon New I'm, York. I'm glad you mentioned the, the Jets and Broncos game because I, I got on this early for the spreadsheet. I, I'm taking the Jets to cover one and a half points. Um, they are one and a half point underdog against the Broncos. Um, yeah, so I, I'm taking the underdog, underdog Jets um, to, to get the job done in that one and a half point spread. Um, another one I looked at but I didn't jump on was the Giants. Two and a half point underdogs. At the Jags, uh, the Giants winning again, 24-20 over the Baltimore Ravens. Oh. This, this team, Jacko, it's it's crazy. It feels like a high wire act at the moment. Like I don't, I don't know how they sustain this. Um, what they're doing, they came back again. They were down 13-10. Uh, they were down 20 to 10 early in the last quarter, and they rattle off the last two touchdowns of the game to take the win. Um, they didn't run the ball particularly well, Jack. 31 carries, 83 yards and a touchdown. The Ravens ran for 211 yards and a touchdown. They didn't pass the ball 
brilliantly, not, not sort of like they didn't have huge volume that the Giants, Daniel Jones, 19 of 27, 173, two touchdowns, no interceptions, crucially. Um, I, I'm, I've, I've got to go back and watch this game in full because they keep pulling out these unlikely victories, the Giants. Um, and I'm just waiting. They for feel very to similar to down. the Vikings, but just with less talent, like at receiver or um, with pass rushes. Like they, they seem very similar. Like winning these close games, winning games that you'd expect them to lose in previous seasons, doing enough to win. Um, the issue with the Giants is that, it, well, the issue with both those teams is one of sustainability. Um, but I feel like with the coaching staff that the Vikings have and the skill players they have um, on offense and defense, I feel like I kind of, and I don't think this is just biased, I feel like I, I would trust them more to sustain wins. Whereas the Giants, you can't really find, figure out why they're winning. They just seem to be doing it, which, hey, if you're a New York fan, great. Five and one's amazing. And I, I hope they keep succeeding. It's great watching the Giants win games, but the, I can't really see why they're doing it, why they're winning. And so therefore it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to press forward and win games because, and the other thing too, is that they're going to have to, if they want to have a shot at that division, like believe it or not, as much as we've hyped up the Eagles, they've only won one more game than the Giants. <laughs> so the Giants yeah. will be going, Hey, this division for us, let's, let's take this. Well, uh, another sort of, dep I'm just sort of, I guess, getting a few sort of um, random thoughts out before we, we call it an episode. Uh, and one of those is, who goes in Arizona? Um, my guess is that it's Cliff Kingsbury, regardless of the fact that they extended him and GM Steve Kime. If this continues like this, I just think they're too financially tied up to Kyler Murray for it to be him. I think you're much more likely to back mm. the player. You, you've spent, not only, you know, you took a first round quarterback in Josh Rosen one year, the next year you flush him out to bring in another first round pick in Kyler Murray. Um, then you pay him a massive contract. I, I think that, I think if this doesn't get turned around, Kingsbury and Steve Kime uh, are on the block because they lose 19 to nine to the Seahawks um, in Seattle. They dropped to two and four, the Cardinals. The offense scored a field goal. Their touchdown was a, a, a fumble recovery um, in the mm. end zone. And they mix, missed the extra point. They scored a field goal as an offense. This team is men. Now, the defense played well. They sacked uh, Geno Smith six times, uh, five times, rather. Um, they... Forced a fumble. Um, no, no, rather, they didn't. That was the wrong one. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm getting lost in the weeds here. The bigger point is Kyler Murray went 23 of 37, 222 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. He was sacked six times. He had 10 carries for 100 yards. He fumbled twice and lost one. The only play in the book on offense for the Cardinals that works is, hey, Kyler, run around like it's a video game, which I guess kind of makes sense because uh, he's pretty good at those. Um, 
like this is a mess. This is an absolute mess. You bring in Cliff Kingsbury because he's meant to be one of the you know preeminent offensive minds in college football, and he can't scheme the offense up. The only play that works is Kyler, do something, save us. Do you, do you think that he's gone? Kingsbury, that is? I feel like if they continue, yeah. I don't see Murray going at all. The, what I will say is this, right? Say it, Jack. Their defense, it's beyond yeah. the first game against the Chiefs, where the Chiefs scored 44 points and absolutely embarrassed them. Beyond that, it's been 23, 20, 16, 20, 19. Their defense has actually been okay. The offense has been where it's been a complete failure, which you can absolutely attribute to the coach. But this is where it gets interesting, right? Not only does DeAndre Hopkins come back, he has not played at all this season. Comes back against the Saints, but they just traded for Robbie Anderson from Carolina. So that's obviously one major upgrade in the receiving room, but also another upgrade with Robbie Anderson, who I think could add something to that to that team and Carolina's just trying to rebuild at this point. So no, no surprise they're getting rid of him. So I, I'm personally holding off on any discussions of like firing people, getting rid of people, because I think the next few games will be really where we'll see if the, if the offense looks just as dysfunctional as usual, even with these receivers coming back, particularly Hopkins, who's their number one. You can even argue one of the best receivers in the league when he's healthy. If they look just as dysfunctional as ever, then yeah, I reckon Kingsbury is gone. Doesn't matter what contract extension he signed, he is out of there. Because they've, yeah, like you said, they've invested too much in Kyler and we've seen him play well. Whereas, I don't know if Kingsbury's coaching record is that impressive in the NFL. But if they can turn it around, they're two and four, right? If they can turn it around and start putting up 24, 30 points a game and keeping their opponents to 17, 20 and start to win these games, then I think the narrative switches around a bit and we might see them become something. But that's all in the future. Don't know if that's going to happen yet, but I feel like we should just wait and see what the Hopkins return does for that offense. Yeah. Because the danger is, I, 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 I don't know, maybe I'm out over my skis here, but I could see a situation where if they lose to the Saints and they lose to the Vikings and they are two and six, I think that Seattle Seahawks game in week nine is for Cliff Kingsbury's job. Yeah, uh, definitely agree. Yeah. Because They're of the money. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to see, I don't want to see, even if next, uh, when they play the Saints, right? Thursday night. Even if Kyler Murray throws for 350 yards and Hopkins has 200 yards and two touchdowns, if they don't win, it means nothing. Because they're now in win mode. They have to win. So while I want to wait and see how that offense performs, at the end of the day, it needs to win. That offense needs to start winning games. And yeah, if they lose to the Saints, honestly, it's probably over. But definitely if they lose to the Vikings, then you can just say... Goodbye, I, Kingsbury. Well, thank I you. just Not, think, no, thank you. Yeah, because there's tougher games ahead. It's bizarre though to think. I wonder how much credit in the bank there is for him, given they went eleven and six and made playoffs last year. 
even though they got absolutely humiliated by the Rams in the playoffs, 34 to 11, and they, you know, won four games, you know, four of their last seven games or whatever it was, uh, four of their last 11 or something it is, um, you know, they, mm. they really tailed off uh, in the second half of the season. It was sort of the same in 2020 as well um, under Kingsbury. You know, in terms of the second half slide, they went eight and eight in 2020. 2019, they went five, 10 and one. So mm. it's just going to be interesting to see how much credit they, you know, they had in the bank from last year going 11 and six. But yeah, it's danger days because their, their back end of the fixture is, is tough. They've got a stretch at Rams, home 49ers, home Chargers. Chargers could have things worked out by then. Then you've got Patriots at Broncos. Uh, I think they'll win that. Tampa Bay at Falcons at 49ers. So, tough. you know, it, it is tough. It's, it's tough to climb out. I think they need to make playoffs to guarantee everyone's survival in terms of their jobs. Um, and the coaches will be on the hottest seats because there's too much money tied up in Kyle Murray to, to move him. And I, and I don't think you want to move him. I think he has proved no, there's that talent. No, that wouldn't make there. sense. There's talent there. Um, it's it's time for Kingsbury, like Lafleur, like Kyle Shanahan. Um, you know these guys who prove their ability to scheme. You know Robert Sala is proving with his defense this year. You've got to show what value you bring as a coach. It's time time for Cliffy Boy to to step up. Uh, I reckon we can get out of here, Jacko. We've we've gone mm. over the hour mark here. We never get to every game. That's not the point of this. We just talk about things that really intrigued us from the weekend, the games we got to see in full. Um, Thursday night football, Twain, we've, we've sort of previewed it. We said the Cardinals need a win. They're going yeah. against the Saints. Saints are feisty. Saints almost beat the yeah. Bengals last week. They're not a great team, but, but they're a feisty team. They're hard to beat. So... Um, Big match for the Cardinals in the context of their season. Thanks for getting on board, Jacko. Loving being able no to worries. talk the NFL with you on air in 2022. Mm. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Until next time, you've been great. We've been reasonable. It's the JBSE.